0: Hello, welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm Amber, and I am here with Amanda, and this is going to be kind of a heavy episode. We are going to be talking about grief and anxiety in children's books and adult books and just some of our observations and concerns about a few specific titles that we have and Amanda, do you want to open – I know that you had some thoughts after our conversation with Val a few episodes or an episode ago when she was talking about that book, Wintering. Yes.
1: Yeah, so Is as you were right? telling me about this book that you didn't like because mm-hmm. it mishandled anxiety, I started thinking about what books I had that I'd read that handled it well. And so often I, – I mean, I had a hard time coming up with a whole lot because – It's not like authors go ahead and put in, you know, people with anxiety and depression in their books that frequently. And I love classics, and that's not really something that's in a lot of classics either, at least not forthrightly.
0: Everything just (laughs) falls under the hysterical woman, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Or the crazy hermit or, you know, they don't really – we don't talk about it in the terminology we use today. Uh, so, it's really hard to peg mm-hmm. down. But then I was thinking about uh, when I was, I guess this was pre, before I was diagnosed with my chronic illnesses and I was struggling a lot with chronic pain and chronic fatigue and dealing with doctors who didn't believe me and they yeah. thought I was just depressed and had anxiety and and I was trying to communicate with them that I wasn't depressed. Mm -hmm. I was sad that I was so sick and couldn't get any help. And that's not the same as depression. It's being sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I was – about that time, I was reading The Hunger Games trilogy. And the last book was really good for me to read at that period in my life because – Spoiler alert for those who have not read it, <laughs> not too much spoiler, but Katniss is alive at the end of the book and has gone through horrifying things and has physical ramifications afterwards that continue on in her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it it appears she's going to have for the rest of her life. She's going to be carrying around these wounds for the rest of her life. And uh, she accepts that they're there, and but that life is still good and worth living and it's a bittersweet thing. And that was really helpful for me to read at that time because yeah. it it gave me hope that life was still worth living,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though I might never be free of this pain and fatigue. But then I was editing the episode we did with Val where she talked about the book Wintering, which I put a hold on because I really want to read it. And she was talking about grieving for for times in your life when you realize that you're not going to have the life that you thought you were going to have. Mm -hmm. And that really struck a nerve with me because it was like, yes, I wasn't sad, even, I wasn't depressed and I wasn't even sad, I was going through major grieving for the physical, the things I would never be able to do, the children I wouldn't be able to have, just everything, all this life I wouldn't be able to have, I was going through this intense grieving process and, you know, I still go through that grieving process even though things are a lot better, but we don't talk about grieving,
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And we don't know how to share that that with each other or that burden. And you know, it it's really apparent when people do open up. I had a friend who just lost a baby. It was her first miscarriage. And uh she asked me if if it would ever feel okay again. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, you lost a baby. Your baby died. It yeah. that's never going to be okay. That's yeah. but you, you will you will live with it and it will not be as painful but we shouldn't expect to just be over things we have yeah. to work through our grief and and it's we need to allow ourselves to grieve and we need to talk about it because yeah. we don't mm-hmm. and it's harmful that yeah. We're all grieving alone because we can't talk about it, right. and then just people are happy to put a. You're just depressed. You're just anxious. Like, right?
0: Yeah, we I was need talking. To know what we're dealing with. I my friend Andrea was over yesterday, and we were talking about the next school year and then a conference that we're both speaking at this fall and what our topics were. And I'm doing I'm doing picture books for emotional intelligence for kids but with an emphasis on books for grief specifically. And I agree with you, like it's not something that we talk about. And one of the things that I said to Andrea was that I firmly believe that women in the church need to be talking to young women getting married about the likelihood of having a miscarriage because it's like 1 in 4 women will have a miscarriage and no one's talking about it before they get married so you have these girls a lot of whom have saved themselves for marriage and have this belief that because they made this right choice because of you know the education that they were given the choices they made that they are now promised a smooth ride, <laughs> but they're promised a healthy yep. marriage, a healthy relationship, and healthy pregnancies. And that's not something that you are going to Like – you're not promised this. And life is no. still happening. We're still in a fallen world. There are still struggles. And unfortunately, a lot of the education that people in my generation were receiving as part of the purity movement – which is different than chastity and remaining pure, like it was its its own thing, the purity movement uh-huh. that was going on resulted yep. in a lot of hurt in marriages oh, yes. when these specific relationships weren't working out the way that it was anticipated and thought that it was promised. But I, I believe that we need our theology of suffering before we suffer. And so yep. that means like kids need this Fast because they can lose pets, they can lose elderly neighbors that they love, they can lose people at church and family members. And, you know, when you're losing a pregnancy yourself, your children are losing a sibling. And so they are suffering also and going through that grief. And so being able to have talked about it ahead of time and worked things out, I told Andrea that book. Maybe tomorrow I would give anything to have had that book before I had my miscarriages and before I lost my dad 10 years ago to be able to visualize what grief looks like attached to you and how Mm -hmm. sharing it can shrink it and just Elba's understanding that like she's never going to be away from it completely. It will always be with her in one form or another and also to see – um, what is Elba's friend's name? Why can't I think of it right now? But the, the crocodile, I've read this book so many times. I don't know why, why I can't <laughs> think of this animal's name, but it's Elba and this crocodile. And the crocodile just, I wish I'd seen this modeling of how to walk alongside someone in their grief so that mm-hmm. you're not scared of being cause it, it can be kind of scary you can feel like you're going to be touched by their grief right especially if you are an empathetic person it can be like that is yeah. a lot of emotion that is radiating off that human <laughs> I'm not really or sure like I want say to the take any thing. of it yeah you can be afraid you're going to say the wrong thing and so I feel like I had I had good modeling on like the right things to say and how to how to like respond to people but just the way They are in relationship more than just what do you say at the funeral or what do you say when you bump into them at the grocery store or at, you know, church. So I really think that those, those grief books are so necessary. And I will say I know people are very iffy, like not iffy, people love it or hate it. For Christy by Catherine Marshall and I think that people mm-hmm. love it or hate it based on how much of their own trauma they're bringing into reading it and well, why do
1: people hate it I, so I'm having trouble
0: people hate it because they feel that so I'm just gonna make this recommendation right now before you go and read Christy please go to our database And read through all the content considerations. They are very clear and they are very laid out. I'm not going to go into all of them right now because little kids might be listening. But there are a few heavier events that are handled really well, in my opinion, in that book. I read the book for the first time when I was 16. It was one of the first adult books that I read. And it had a lot. It was dealing with alcoholism. It was dealing with superstition that resulted in very tragic events in the lives of these families from following their superstitious beliefs instead of following known science and medicine. It has a lot going on. It's the like 1915, I think, around there is when it takes place and it's a – East Coast wealthy young woman who goes to be a teacher at a mission school in the Appalachian Mountains, and just the level of poverty and ignorance, as this is like the first school in the area, is heavy. Like there's a lot that happens when people don't know. Answer me why people don't like it. So people don't like it because they think it's too dark. They think Mm. that there's just a lot of disturbing things there is a i feel
1: like there was hope though at the end which i is think there's so
0: much hope i think there's so much hope and even when there is sadness there's there's that balance between sadness and joy mm-hmm. and yeah people who have had egregious things done to them that are unspeakable in their childhood and had great suffering that resulted in it They have grown up to be adults who have wisdom and compassion and empathy and love for others that just shows that no matter how much garbage is happening to you, you can still make choices for your life path that Mm -hmm. do not stay rooted in the sludge from where mm-hmm. you came. So I think I think that Christy has a lot of opportunities to see how different people handle grief mm-hmm. and whether it's handled well or not, and then t- to learn from that. So I think I learned a lot in the, the modeling that was happening in Christy yeah. between what, what was and wasn't working for people. I don't remember how I got to talking about Christy. Um. (laughs) I think I was just talking about theology of suffering. Like, I think having a theology of suffering is really important. Believing, knowing what you believe about suffering and suffering's value and suffering's place in the world around you, so that it doesn't just choke you and drown you, is necessary. And then that's something that is so necessary to give to our kids.
1: Not only having a theology of suffering, but also having an example of a lot of examples of to how of how to live through that suffering. Yeah. Because I had, you know, when I had my first miscarriage, it was during Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how to handle that. Like Yeah. How do you sit at the table? Was I supposed to sit at the table? Mm-hmm. Was I supposed to announce, hey, I'm having a miscarriage right now? Mm-hmm. See ya. <laughs> I had no like I had no idea. I wanted to right. run. Like, mm-hmm. but You know, I've never – I don't – I think I would like to read a book where someone has one and then tells me what you're supposed to do because I still don't know how I was supposed to handle that. But Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've actually – since I was talking with Andrea yesterday, I've been trying to think of whether or not I could remember any classics or just children's books even that I was reading when I was younger that even had miscarriage in them. And I – I mean, I may have, but nothing is coming to mind. Like, it may have been a one liner. Like, this was, ha- this was happening off scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It should be there. It should be in these books because yeah. it is such a prevalent part it's of very life. Prevalent. Yeah. And I am sorry that you had to experience that at Thanksgiving dinner. That must have been highly traumatic for the holiday. <laughs> yeah, you know, highly was, traumatic anyway, but then like I feel like it would just be connected now to the
1: holiday for me. It you know? is. I think about it every yeah. every Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. I'm
0: sorry. But. but yeah, I so if you are authors out there and you are writing children's books and you can find a way to incorporate miscarriages healthily being handled into them or in young family, adult or adult books or, or YA or um yeah, or adult books, that would be good, but when you're talking about examples of suffering, the other book that comes to mind immediately for me would be Corrie Ten Boom's The Hiding Place.
1: Mm-hmm. And all the suffering.
0: Oh, Amanda, you'll love it. I know
1: I need to. I mean, it's hard, but you'll
0: love it. <laughs> all the okay. suffering that Corey and Betsy went through in the concentration camps and all the losses they experienced and even just finding – finding rays of hope and light Mm -hmm. in that darkness, that complete and total darkness that they were in and finding things to be thankful for. Like there's so much science on the power of gratitude in our lives Mm -hmm. and how helpful that is. And I feel like, you know, it reinforces the Proverbs that says a merry heart does good like a medicine. And so there's the story about how they're their barracks had fleas and they did not like having fleas. Like everyone in the barracks had fleas, right? That does not seem like there's any upside to everyone having fleas. But then they realized that because of the fleas, they were able to hold Bible studies in their barracks because the soldiers didn't want to come in because of the fleas. And so that was a blessing. The fleas were a blessing and they were able to thank God for the fleas And so yeah, that's hard mindset, the, you know, that mindset that they were able to have is, but yeah, so not an easy book, but a good one. Definitely. Yeah. So I want to talk about this book that you mentioned that I'm not incredibly pleased with right now. And this was the inspiration for our conversation and topic today. So first of all, Our platform is not one that we've ever historically used to bash authors or books, and we think there's so many good books out there. We just focus on them and focus on the good that's being done and encouraging people to support those authors, but every now and then I come across a book that really... Upsets me. (laughs) And I usually just keep it to myself or tell a few friends. But this one really hit a nerve for me because I think it's something, because it is something that I struggle with myself. And seeing it presented like this as a kid would have been really harmful for me. And one of my daughters also is only recently getting to a place where she has her anxiety disorder under control, and so this would not have been a helpful book to her either. And so I feel that this book is suffering from mismarketing and some languaging issues, but it's written by a psychologist, which I think for some parents looking for help, um, this is a psychological counseling master's degree author. Some parents looking might think that's great and get this book and then end up with kids even more confused than they started with or very discouraged so this book is called anxious andy and i do not recommend it (laughs) that's (laughs)
1: thanks for being clear
0: that's my pitch pitch. just (laughs) want to be clear this one that's the other reason i don't like showing people books is because then if they see it and they associate it with recommendations that i've made just because it's with my face hello they might be like Oh, that's that book Amber recommended. Amber does not recommend this book. So do not let this one be connected in your brain to pick up at the library with a book that Amber said was good. Because Or at says, least pick it up no with bueno, Not good. Not good for the target audience it's written for. Amanda and I were discussing it in great it might length. Be good for some and it kids. might be good for some kids that are not actually the kids that it is claiming to be written for. So just go into it with that. So one, I think that there's a huge difference between the word anxious and the word anxiety. And the words are used to mean the same thing in this book. And that can be problematic because you might have a kid who is momentarily anxious about something, doesn't want to go to the doctor, doesn't want to go away to sleep away camp, but they don't actually have anxiety. That's like worry that's worry (laughs) they're worrying they're anxious about something momentarily and it's fleeting and passing so this kid his it opens with first of all he's called anxious andy throughout the whole book and labeling kids is never a great plan um but his issue at the beginning is just not wanting to play because he's afraid he'll hurt himself and so he's avoiding playing with people but then when he's walking home he he really is showing signs of what look like recognizable anxiety. He's doubled over, his arms are crossed across his chest. He Yeah, but
1: like the beginning, like the beginning you showed me, it was more like worry. Like he's worried right. about hurting himself. Right. And then he's it switches to like So it switches. And then it switched to more like actual anxiety. And yeah, so that's really confusing as yeah. to what he's really dealing with.
0: I agree. So now he's He wants to scream. He wants to shout. He wants to figure his worry out. Another problem, I think, is that this book rhymes. And I think that that was a challenge for the author. And it probably forced them to use words for the sake of rhyming that may or may not have actually supported the message that they wanted to get across. So there is that as well. But he asks, he just yells into the forest, basically, you know, do you know why I'm so scared? And this bird says, just chirp and it'll be fine. Just your just worrying it. It says your worrying feelings will quickly disappear. I don't know many people with anxiety that would describe their feelings as just worrying feelings. It's a little no. more consuming <laughs> than that. Yeah. So Andy cheerfully is going to chirp chirp his way because he's told his worrying feelings will quickly disappear, but they don't. Andy's in this misty fog, and the dog has a lot of like disparaging things to say about the bird. Uh, calls her a silly bird calls her the foulest of the fowl, and says that if he barks, his anxieties will cowl. So he starts barking, and that doesn't work. So then a snake tells him to try hissing, and that that will work. And he gets home, and he's not in great shape. He's crying at this point. His mom, who I do appreciate, calls him Precious Andy, asks him what's wrong. And he says, sorry, mom, my anxiety didn't go away. I tried chirping, barking, hissing. And his mom's, okay. So his mother says, anxiety is a feeling. We all feel anxious at one point in time. The secret is to stay in the moment and you'll be fine. So again, are we talking about feeling anxious, which everyone feels at one moment or another in time? Or are we talking about a kid with anxiety, which is a whole nother
1: kettle of fish, Yeah.
0: And Andy's like, it's too hard. I am scared that my fears will come true. And his mom says, there are better thoughts and feelings. So just try on the feelings of bravery and courage. The only person who thinks that you're going to fail is you. And Andy's a new kid. He's like, oh, my goodness. Brilliant. <laughs> you're right. Instead of saying, what if I fail? I just need to be brave and see what happens and not run away. Even if it's I so fall easy. down. so easy. I'll wipe away my tears. I'll get back up and try again because failing is really just trying until you win. So honestly, Uh I don't hate that. I don't hate him trying to have a better mentality and being willing to try to be brave. I don't know if you know who Elise Myers is, Amanda. She is a social media influencer and she's a comedian and she just tells her life stories hysterically. Like the poor girl's been through a lot (laughs) and Um, she's the one who like went on a date and ended up having to buy the hundred tacos from Taco Bell that this guy wanted. And that's how she like, that was her story that like got public and everyone knew about it. But either way, Elise has crippling social anxiety and she's very public about it. And she said, one of the things that's going around right now is somebody asked her, what do you do? to feel better before you have to go on stage or before you have to go on this interview or before you're on camera, what do you do to make your anxiety go away? And her response was nothing. I do it scared. And that is just like this really powerful thing. She's just like, I just do it scared.
1: And mm-hmm. there's no magic formula. There's no
0: magic formula. And just chirp and it will go away. Right. She's not chirping, you know, and she's acting brave. Right. So that's that yeah. is something that she's putting on. Like the well, mom says, you brave. can try this Putting it on. That is brave to do it when you're yes, scared. It wondering. is. It is. So so I was hoping that this book was then going in that direction. Right. Of like he's just going to do it scared and still be struggling, but doing it. Anyway, and at this moment, (laughs) at this moment, I really wanted Elise to start writing children's books. I was like, oh, Elise needs to write a book on this topic. Um, But the mom's like, yeah, if you try your best, you're already winning. Go play. And now his whole life has changed. Okay. First of all, I do not like the idea that him not having anxiety anymore is why he's now the hero of the playground and everyone loves him because that tells you you're unlovable when you're anxious. Well,
1: it also sets up unrealistic and, expectations. And like, I'll change just, my personality if, yes, if you and can suddenly just change who you
0: are. Right. Because at the beginning, all the kids are playing and he's the outcast. But yeah. now that he's willing to try and do things, they are throwing him in the air and celebrating him. Even the bird and the snake and the dog from the woods are in on it. In real life, they would be
1: mad that he didn't do their suggestion. (laughs) He didn't do it right. Well, he did try their suggestions, but it
0: just it concludes with best of all, his worrying was gone. He was known just as Andy from that day on. The anxious part of him left and never came back around because it was joy and happiness that Andy had finally found.
1: That's why I don't like the crossing between worry and anxious. Yeah, is there? they're really different things. Like, yeah. You can have worries without having anxiety. and
0: Right. If you have anxiety, like you may even have seasons where it's not as bad, mm-hmm. but then it comes back. And I feel like joy and happiness are two words that are often religious Confused. in nature. <laughs> well, they're religious, right? Like yeah. be joyful and all of this. And I feel that if I was, if I had been my, so myself as a kid reading this book, I would have felt very judged and shamed by the fact that I apparently was not trying hard enough. And Mm -hmm. so I wasn't joyful and I wasn't able to have this happiness and bravery because this book makes it very clear. It's just a mindset and Andy just has to change his mind and that it'll all be okay.
1: Even joy and happiness are two different things that often get conflated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I feel that there were just a lot of words conflating and messages being mixed up that could just be really upsetting for a kid that actually had anxiety. This is definitely, we talk about books that have modeling, right? Modeling that a kid could follow. Mm -hmm. This isn't one of them. If your kid actually has anxiety, there is no modeling in this book. Well, it might be if your kid
1: has some worries. You know, that kind of reminds me of, like, I'm worried about getting on the roller coaster, but I sure Mm want to do it. And then I get over, I put on my bravery and go get on the roller coaster and have a fun time. But that's very different than anxiety. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I feel like if the author had stuck to the words worry and anxious, it would have been okay. But, like, once I hit the first use of the word anxiety – I was like, oh, no, this is not right.
1: <laughs> this is not right I don't even anxiety. like the word anxious because it's just too easily confused.
0: Yeah. With anxiety. So what are alternatives is always my first question when I see something like this. And mm-hmm. I would say one book that I've really enjoyed, um, I'm trying to think of the title of the picture book. It's uh, Violet Shrink. And okay. she has social anxiety. And she doesn't want to go to stuff. And her dad is always – she doesn't like to go to parties because they're overstimulating.
1: Amen. Um,
0: (laughs) I think that Violet actually is probably – has a combination of social anxiety and is probably having some sensory processing things as well because of how heavily she relies on her headphones. So this is a great book for like neurodivergent kids and also for kids that are having social anxiety issues. And it's good for any kid to read so that they can acknowledge what's going on with their friends. And it's more and more common for a kid to show up to an event in headphones. And Mm -hmm. so this would be a good chat with your kids on why are these kids wearing headphones? This book will probably have the answer for you so you don't have to ask them. But this book had a few things that I really liked in it. It has The dad is like initially kind of tricking her into going to these parties because he starts calling them different things like a gala or a get together or a soiree. And she shows up and she's like, cake and ice cream, like it's a party, right? Like I know what this is. And then she just sits in the corner and doesn't feel great about it. But I love the fact that she sits down with her dad to have a heart to heart to tell him how she's feeling. And then the part that was kind of like, Convicting for me is the author says for Violet, my dad looked at me the way he does when I know he's actually listening. And I'm like,
1: oh snap. Uh-huh. They can tell. Kids can tell I when you're not listening. Do my kids
0: know that I'm not actually <laughs> listening? Um, mm-hmm. so like, but I liked the fact that like it showed getting full attention from your parent and then expressing what your struggles are and finding a compromise. And so it's a it's a single single father. And so obviously it would be not a great solution for him to never be able to get out of the house and have social interactions with people. Mm-hmm. But it's also not a great solution for Violet to be suffering at these events because she's being forced into a social thing that is crushing her spirit. And so they come to this compromise And we see them at the next party and she has her headphones on and she's sitting under the table at his feet coloring and he passes her cake under the table. So (laughs) she doesn't have to interact with people if she doesn't want to. She still gets cake. She gets to be in the quiet with her art and he gets to socialize. So I thought that was very well done for social anxiety in a picture Mm -hmm. book. And then in chapter books, I talked about this one briefly to give it a review in another episode, but I just think it's perfect for this conversation. Give and Take by Ellie Swartz. This is an excellent book for anxiety and the process that like, actually having an anxious kid goes through, where you have the main character who is 12-year-old Maggie, and she is really suffering with loss and the huge anxiety that loss is bringing to her, she lost her grandma to dementia. And then she Mm -hmm. lost her grandma a second time when her grandma passed away. And then they have a foster baby that they're just the family caring for the baby while the adoptive parents are coming from a state that had had a hurricane. And so they're delayed. And so she knows this baby isn't going to stay, but she's having all this anxiety about not being able to keep this person who feels like a member of her family now. Mm -hmm. And I loved the multi-generational look because she has a very close relationship with her grandfather, who's also grieving the loss of his wife and how he's processing his grief is really beautiful. The different ways that he's keeping the grandma alive. But what Ellie is doing is she's, or not Ellie, Ellie's the author. (laughs) What um, Maggie. Maggie is doing is she's hoarding. So she has these boxes and she's filling them with trinkets of things to remind her of moments. So one of the baby's socks is in there and the gum wrapper from this day at the park and this stone from when she found her turtle and you know this thing from her grandma and all these different things. But the boxes are taking over her life. And mm-hmm. and she's keeping them secret. So there's all these different layers of what these disorders really look like. Yeah. And then one of her boxes starts attracting ants and she has this rage reaction to her little brother that she adores opening one of her boxes or touching it. I can't remember which, but she rages at him and it scares her. She doesn't want to have that reaction. But I i really appreciate that because a lot of times when you're experiencing these strong emotions for the first time, especially as a kid, you can't even identify them. So the author identifies what's happening and then ends the sentence with, but Maggie didn't even know. Like Maggie didn't even understand this. So it's like you as the reader can understand what's happening because I will tell you. But Maggie did not understand what was happening and it scared her. And so I really appreciated that style of writing and like letting the reader understand fully and not leaving it to them to fill in the gaps or guess at what was happening or guess at what people's reasoning was for doing things. Um, but one of the boxes eventually gathered uh, attracts ants. <laughs> and so Maggie's mom discovers what's going on with these boxes and So then they have the whole process of starting to see a therapist and doing this together. Like Maggie and her parents are a joined force to do this, to find answers, to get Maggie the help she needs. And so then you see the whole process that she's going through with her therapist on how she's supposed to be working on her, you know, her disorder. And it's just, it's beautifully written and all the relationships in it are so well done. You see Maggie hiding this from her friends and then finding the courage to finally tell a friend. And there's there's just so many, I cannot praise this book enough. My one <laughs> consideration for it is that Maggie's higher power is the universe. And so there are a few times a handful where she will say something about how the universe wanted this or the or hoping that the universe would do something better um so that would be my my only content consideration for different families would be
1: so could you uh, if you're that. reading out loud could you swap out your own personal yes religious um, yeah convictions? you very
0: easily could swap in whatever your own religious beliefs were So
1: that reminds me that author you're talking about the way she maybe not explains the feelings but enlightens yeah. the feelings right. and i just finished my own lightning which is the sequel to wolf hollow
0: yeah
1: um, by thorn Walk, yes and it is really good it's yeah. a really good follow-up to wolf hollow because you didn't read wolf hollow did i you? didn't okay so-, so don't give any
0: spoilers which you shouldn't do anyway so <laughs>
1: I don't like spoilers. You know, I hate spoilers more than you do. So I'm not gonna give spoilers. <laughs> anyway, the main character, after the events of Wolf Hollow, she's been through these very traumatic things, where she was targeted, and uh, in a lot, in some physical and psychological ways. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the characters who was involved in that is, like, a main character in this book. And she's learning how to move on with life after all these horrible things that this other person has been deeply involved with Mm -hmm. that have hurt her. And she's, like, she's learning to understand her own emotions and understand his emotions. And she's learning that they don't, like, They're not adult. Even if they were adults, doesn't know they'd know how to handle their emotions. Mm -hmm. But she's learning that she has to learn about how to even process her own thoughts and emotions and that she doesn't know everything, Mm -hmm. either about what's gone on or about even herself. She's learning about herself through this. And she's learning things are grayer than she realized. And... Some things are still right and wrong, but there's other things she doesn't know. She's learning that she doesn't know everything, either yeah. about herself or other people. And it's amazing. You should read them both.
0: I will. I'm still <laughs> deterred by the fact that you told me that you think I'll like it better than Echo Mountain. And I don't think I'm ready to like a book better than Echo Mountain. No, I, like
1: I Mountain. said <laughs> you would like Beyond the Bright Sea. Better oh, than Echo okay. Mountain. Oh, well, then I should definitely read Will Follow. <laughs> <laughs> you should read them all. <laughs> Just read Beyond the I Bright will. Sea and, Wolf I and Will Follow. I will read them
0: well. all. So y- it's, would you, is it middle grade or is it YA?
1: It's YA. And, and
0: you're saying I there's a girl and a boy it. are they in a relationship?
1: Uh no. Okay. No. So it's not like
0: a romance.
1: It's not a romance, but I think the door you know they they start yeah. out at opposite ends, but I think mm-hmm. the door um she so realizes funny. that he's not the evil person that she wanted to believe he was. Mm-hmm. And there's some companionableness between them that kind of made me think like, well, maybe in like five years there could be. (laughs) But no, there's no. So it's
0: YA. What age would you personally recommend it for? Since YA is
1: so I believe the main character is 14 turning fifteen. And I think the boy is slightly older. I definitely wouldn't recommend it beforehand because there's just some hard things. And, and you won't appreciate, there's a certain amount of life experience that you just, you know, a younger kid would not really have the experience to appreciate it. And they're Mm -hmm. not, and I don't, and Val was talking the other day about like reaching certain developmental stages around 14 and my oldest is not that age yet. So I'm not. Well aware of that, but I would suspect that somewhere around 14, 15 is when those developmental stages would be reached where they'd be more ready to benefit. Mm-hmm. And even if they could read it, I don't think they would benefit from it on the emotional level that they would yeah. when they're a little bit older. So, Yeah.
0: I see that a lot where parents are just really excited to read their own favorite books to their kids. And so they'll do these read-alouds that probably would have been – more developmentally appropriate between Later. like 10 and 12. <laughs> and they're reading uh-huh. them to their three to five year olds. And they're like, oh, my kid loved it. I'm like, how much? How much of it did your kid actually love? Like, they probably enjoyed their oh, time with have. you and they enjoyed it certain again. things, but they're going to have to read it again. And my thought is always there are so many amazing books mm-hmm. for the toddler through middle grade level. And then if you really want YA books for your kid instead of jumping your kid from middle grade into adult books, it's slim pickings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So when parents are like, well, I read it aloud. So they were able like, you know, so the words I couldn't have read. I'm like, I know. I understand. I totally get it. But now your kid has one less series to be excited about when they're 15 because they
1: read it at six yeah I, I guess so for six, reference but... my oldest is twelve, almost thirteen, and i wouldn't I wouldn't give her Wolf Hollow yet, probably in yeah. a year or two I would give it to her. I don't think I'd give her beyond the bright sea either mm-hmm. um I would be more apt to give her uh Echo Mountain than the other two mm-hmm. of those books so. Give you a little reference. And I want
0: to be clear, I'm not judging parents that do that. You do what works in your home and Mm -hmm. the there's the flip side of that, which is I waited to read some books and they got ruined for my kids before we got around to reading them. And I'm annoyed and wish that I had read them to them sooner.
1: What got ruined?
0: Little Women Got Ruined. I'm not going to say the spoiler in case anyone's listening who has not read oh, Little Women. heard
1: about the spoiler?
0: My mother gave them a <gasps> coloring book
1: of little women. <laughs> and it did not occur to her
0: that it would be anything but beautiful. And it didn't occur to me that it would be anything no. but wonderful. And so I didn't, like, pre-read it. And they come to me and they're like, this happens? And I was like, oh, mm. Yeah, and now I've completely lost all of my inclination to read you guys that book because – It's so good. It's so good. I know. We're going to listen to it on read an audio book.
1: I've yeah. – I And they I may have already read it. Different. Like, they
0: read stuff off the shelves all the time, yeah. and I don't even realize it, so
1: – I get something different from that book every time I read it. Yeah.
0: So. I had just been wanting to read it to them aloud the way my mom had read it aloud to me, and it was going to be this new adventure where they didn't know anything, and now they know – Like the big thing, things they know. They know like the entire ending. Like I swear, the entire coloring book is all about like the good wives portion.
1: (laughs) I hate when they do that. I I just can't even fathom a little women coloring book.
0: It it was like from the (laughs) sixties. It was one of those old, like brown, brittle pages. Yeah,
1: I love little women. I'm just like a coloring book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so to recap
0: grief books we really recommend them for read them before young kids. You need them. and exactly read them before you need them for kids for teens for adults and we'll have all these books that we talked about in the show notes so we'll have that wintering book i'm trying to remember amanda the wintering book was that the one that was specifically for empty nesters who had like just launched a kid no. into college or this is the other one okay
1: this is the one about handling like winter seasons in your life yeah you
0: I, I really wasn't sure them. if they were describing your kid going no. to college as a wintering season because was- I think it would be for me <laughs> like, <laughs> like if Anara ever leaves my home I will just go into a deep wintering season leading up to during and after so yeah yeah I just would not. I, I already know it's probably not going to be handled gracefully. Um, and then anxiety books. We don't recommend Anxious Andy for kids that actually have anxiety. It might be okay for kids that are struggling with worries and just need to put on a little bravery in the moment. But for kids that actually have an anxiety Disorder that is being looked at or treated, this is probably not going to be very helpful to you. I highly recommend Give and Take for middle grade fiction for any kid, but especially a kid that is or knows someone who is going through anything that's landing them at the therapist. It's a great book for going to the therapist for the first time and What that experience is like and also the entire process of disclosing. So her having to disclose about her struggle to her grandfather, having to disclose about her struggle to her mom and then her dad and then her siblings and her friend. Um, Talk about bravery. There's a lot of bravery that's necessary to do that.
1: And I really want to know from our listeners if they have any good adult books about handling anxiety, grief, depression, especially fiction. I love examples of fiction. but. If you have any, let me know because I want to hear them.
0: Definitely. And then the other picture book for anxiety would be Violet Shrink, which obviously is a play on the shrinking violet for uh, social anxiety specifically. So, again, anxiety is one of those things. Not again. We didn't say this. But anxiety is one of those things that can manifest in multiple ways. So you have the social anxiety represented here. You have the hoarding anxiety represented here. When I started reading this book, I did – This book in one of the episodes where it's like, What am I reading right now? And Give Mm -hmm. and Take was the book. And I mentioned at that point that Inara had had some hoarding with her anxiety after my dad passed away. And um, she read this book. And I think that it was very therapeutic for her to now, as a teen be able to see that she was not the only person who has gone through something like this, that this was not Mm -hmm. some ridiculous response that is unique only to you. I really like books that help kids know the human experience is not unique only to you because I feel in my experience that that is highly protective against people feeling like they are alone to the point of no longer wanting to be sharing the human experience with others and so if they can know they're not alone and know that this is not unique to them and that it is common among man and that everyone else has recovered from it or walked through it walked through it that's something that i wanted to talk about um on the topic of grief oh it was andrea telling me this, not you andrea was like oh you should share that in your talk this fall, but I'm going to share it right now too. So I was watching um, Facebook was showing me clips of episodes of shows. And I was just, you know, in one of those consumer moments where I was just watching through the clips. And so there was mm-hmm. this clip from the show and in the episode there is. um, So if you have kids, this is a good place to end the episode <laughs> right now because this is going to be a little more adult content um, and struggles. kids, with, Or just read the content considerations because I will write out what this is about in those. Um, but kids, if you're listening, have a great day. Love you so much. Read a good book. Okay. So this was a clip from the TV show Grey's Anatomy, which deals with a lot of hard-hitting and gritty life events. Mm-hmm. And so in this episode, um, it's dealing with Amelia and Owen And Owen has just come back from deployment. And Amelia is, this is just a couple months out from Amelia's brother dying. And so Amelia's story is her dad was killed in a robbery at a pawn shop when she and her brother were present when she was a kid. And then she became a drug addict and she... Her boyfriend, she wakes up when her boyfriend's dead in the bed next to her from an overdose. She has a baby. Her baby has some developmental issue and dies in her arms right after he's born. And now her brother, who is the family member that she's closest to in her large family of all females, except for him, has passed away. And oh, wow. so she's dealing with it with humor. And she's making jokes about it, you know, like um, – What's it called? Like where you're making dark jokes. But either way, she's making dark jokes about it. Um, you know, my, my brother would be rolling over in his grave. Oh, is there even room to do that? The caskets are so small. He's shaking, shaking in his grave and and making other people uncomfortable that are grieving properly through this event. And,
1: and would so. Would you say she's like deflecting her grief?
0: I, she's disassociated. She's okay. deflecting. She's making light of it. And so then the episode skips ahead to it's nighttime and she's on her because she's said to one of one of the employees, that's like, you know, you're making me uncomfortable with this level of joking. I'm sad that he's gone because he was a doctor at the hospital, too. And, you know, I, I think you should see somebody. And then one of the other doctors who knows that she's a recovering addict and he's also a recovering addict is asking her to go to meetings. And she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need to go to a meeting. I'm totally fine. Just another day in life, basically. And so it jumps ahead. She's she's pacing on her porch at home and Owen comes and I don't know what their relationship is at this point, but he's still in his army fatigues and he's like, you know, are you okay? And she's like, I'm totally fine. And then he turns, you know, I'm fine. Everyone, I wish everyone would stop asking me this. And he turns around to walk away and she whips out this little baggie and she's like, I have black market oxy and I don't know whether I'm going to take it or not. And he's like, "Okay," (laughs) And she's like, you know, I've been been clean for one thousand and some days and I don't know if I'm going to take this or not. And he's basically like, if you take it, it will not be the last time you take it. and He's like, what you have done your entire life is you have numbed your grief instead of feeling it. Mm -hmm. He's like, part of the human experience is feeling your grief and moving through it. You Mm -hmm. have to go through the pain to the other side. And she's like, I don't think I want to do that. And he's like, if you don't, you will take this and it will not be the last time. And then he like sits down. He's like, I just realized that's what I've done. He's like, this hard thing happened. And I reenlisted and I ran away and did another deployment. And now I'm back and I have to actually deal with what happened. So either way, she hands him the baggie. And as she hands it to him, she just like her whole body collapses onto him. And she is just like your... What you would imagine a woman in deep mourning (laughs) would look like. And she's like, this hurts so much. I think it's going to kill me. And he's like, I promise you it won't. This is, you know, basically the whole, like, it is common to man. Like, this happens to everyone. You have just never experienced it before. You've always numbed it. You have to go through it. And I just thought it was like, like, I will definitely show this clip that I found on Facebook to – my daughter because i think it so beautifully shows how many people in how many ways right like owen and amelia totally different lives but they're numbing in their own way amelia's turning yeah. to drugs and owen's deploying like and risking his, his life and his looks good like, right exactly exactly his looks like this noble thing where he's just going off to deploy when really he's running away from this I don't, I don't know, running away from whatever event happened in his life that he doesn't want to face. And so I think that, that that's why this theology of suffering, right? Like Amelia suffered as a young kid when she saw her dad die. No one got her into therapy. No one helped her process through that. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was in their own grief and they ignored the seven-year-old. And she seemed fine. And so everything was fine. And then she, she just started numbing. She started stuffing it and numbing it. And I think that there there are times in my life where I've done that to my detriment, where Mm -hmm. there was one time where we went from a miscarriage into a pregnancy the next month and then miscarried again. So we had like these two back-to-back miscarriages and then unintentionally got pregnant again. And that was nightly. We carried nightly to term. I was a wreck that entire pregnancy because I had not had time to process process. these last two miscarriages. And here I am trying to bring this life into the world. And I am just in this dark space and I had to move through it. And Mm -hmm. the Lord made it possible that like when he was born and in my arms, like in that moment, I just had this huge surge of grief and love and mm-hmm. healing. And I did, I just, I moved through it and I had to move through it at that point in order to move on to now mm-hmm. having this baby here in my arms. And it doesn't always look that simple. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of other grieving situations nope. that have not taken place in a 20 minute you know window um, by any means. And obviously it wasn't just that 20 minutes, right? It was all yeah. the all the time leading up to it of my body re, you know not wanting to deal with it not knowing how to deal with it not knowing what was proper to mm-hmm. grieve these babies when you have another baby and yeah that's hard and all this and so there's just a lot of of grief that needs to be seen and needs to be modeled in real life like what i was saying yeah. about women talking to other women that are getting married about you know the likelihood of miscarriage and because once the young woman's
1: having miscarriage, she's not going to talk about it as, right. you know.
0: Right. And a lot of them hide it. They don't tell anybody because they think this isn't something we talk about. So we need to be modeling that this is something that we talk about. And then books. We need more books about these things mm-hmm. being written. And I was in a thread in another Facebook group. And somebody was recommend was talking about a book where a kid goes to therapy and a bunch of people were like really upset about it. And they're like, my kid doesn't go to therapy. My kid doesn't need to be reading about kids going to therapy and having these issues. But they'll like, know someone. They're going to know someone. Mm-hmm. And also if you're this against therapy, they probably need it.
1: Like I'm just saying, <laughs> I feel or like, they'll be afraid, you know,
0: or if they do they'll be they afraid to get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But like it, it's this shame culture around therapy mm-hmm. is what it is. And it's like, There's no shame in getting help when you need help.
1: The irony is we might not need therapy if people actually talked about grief and how to handle it. Like if the adults in everyone's lives Mm -hmm. from a young age talked about all these challenges and talked about their struggles, we might not need it. But instead, people don't talk about it. And so we don't know how to handle these things.
0: Yeah. And if adults that were in positions of being safe adults actually were safe adults and believed kids. Like the whole Me Too movement with believing women, I think that we need a stronger movement with believing kids and pushing hard to see if what the kid is disclosing really happened or not Mm -hmm. instead of just – Brushing it under the rug, or thinking it could be worse, or it's not that bad. Like I think those are other things that contribute to kids needing help when they're. It's not that
1: bad. Really minimizes people and their suffering. Yeah, yeah. So we would
0: love to hear recommendations as we are adding books to the database that are on these harder topics so that people can find them. We have a tag on the database that's emotional intelligence. And then underneath that umbrella tag, we break down the individual tags for anxiety or depression or worry. (laughs) If, if, If that's what the issue is or shyness. So we're breaking down from the umbrella of emotional intelligence and so if you know books that you've just been knocked away by and absolutely love that you think hit any of these harder topics for kids, we would love to hear about them. So you can either email us or you can add them to the comments underneath the podcast episode, or you can, um, you could even message me on Facebook if that's easiest for you. I don't want you having to feel like you're jumping through a big hoop to do something new. I don't like jumping through hoops to do things new. I like to do things that are nice and sweet and easy. If you're, if I'm like nine steps into the checkout and all of a sudden I realize I need my credit card and I can't use PayPal, I might just walk away. I just want like (laughs) straight line. So if the straight line for you is to message me on Facebook, take that straight line. Totally fine. I check my messages. But we would love to hear books on these emotional intelligence topics for little kids, picture books, for middle school, for YA. And for adults. And if there's any content considerations that you're aware of that you would like to let us know about, that helps in the process as well. We thank you for your time and we're glad that you sat and had this conversation with us. And if you have any more thoughts even on the topic, we'd love to hear those as well. And you can put them in the comments or you can find the episode post in Facebook group and throw your comments on there and start a conversation But we hope that you have a great afternoon. And remember that the stories obviously are truer than true. Have a great day.